Rural Free Delivery of Mail by Perry S. Heath July 14, 1900, Saturday Evening Post This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Among the agencies which are changing the habits and broadening the horizon of the American people, the extension of the free delivery of mails to rural communities is most prominent. The far-reaching effects of this great change in postal administration as an aid to the moral, intellectual, and material advancement of those brought within its influences are not yet fully appreciated, though with every extension of the system its benefits become more clearly demonstrated. It is obvious at a glance that there must be something behind a movement which has caused Congress, without solicitation from the Post Office Department, to increase the appropriation for its development within four years from $50,000 in 1897 to $150,000 in 1898, then to $450,000 in 1899, and now to one million seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the fiscal year nineteen hundred to nineteen o one yet outside of the rural neighborhoods where the service has been put into effect that is to say in the large cities where the free delivery of mails now ranging from three and four to as many as seven deliveries in a day has been accepted for twenty years or more as a matter of course without any one giving thought to the question whether all the other people in our part of the western hemisphere were similarly favored there are probably few who clearly understand what rural free delivery is and what it means to the country farmer who has it now for the first time and who after six months trial would be willing almost to mortgage house and lands to secure its continuance should such an extreme course be necessary at the risk, perhaps, of repeating facts which have become matters of official record, but which necessarily have been presented heretofore in a somewhat disjointed form, I will endeavor to explain what rural free delivery is. Rural free delivery, established on the basic principles which led to its successful test, is a service which starts from a small post office in the heart of a district devoted exclusively to agricultural pursuits where wheat corn cotton and sugar are grown where cattle are raised and creameries flourish where fruits and vegetables are cultivated to supply the needs of the larger towns and where the people live miles from a railroad or a post office and labor from dawn to dusk with little opportunity for social intercourse or amusement with no magazines or other current literature to break the monotony of the long winter evenings and no chance to keep track of the stirring events of their own and other countries by perusal of the daily newspaper. In the inauguration of a rural service, preference is given to a post office of the second or third class, where the postmaster receives a salary for his services and does not derive his compensation from his cancellations, as in the minor offices of the fourth class. In some instances, in great agricultural states like Iowa, for example, where the farms run close up to the towns, rural service has been started from postal stations on the outskirts of a free delivery city. But these cases are the exception and not the rule. The rural carrier is chiefly sent into communities 
where no visible representative of the government of the United States has heretofore been known. To the average farmer, the Army and Navy of the United States are almost names only. He has never seen them or any part of them. He has no direct dealings with officers of customs or internal revenue, and does not want to have any. The courts of the United States are held in the big cities, and he never voluntarily attends them. Hence the daily visit of the rural carrier is to him a revelation of a new order of things. It brings him into actual touch with the government, and causes him to feel that he is getting something back for the taxes he has so long and so willingly paid. Before the establishment of rural free delivery, the residents of these isolated farmhouses had to go or send for their mails to the nearest village post office, perhaps six miles or more away. In the busy season, this cost loss of time and labor. In the inclement winter weather, the journey was always inconvenient and sometimes impracticable. Consequently, they sent for their mails only at infrequent intervals, neglected their correspondence, became estranged from relatives and friends at a distance, subscribed to no daily newspapers, and lost interest in the doings of the outside world. Rural free delivery has given them a new interest in life. The rural carrier provides his own vehicle, usually a buggy or light wagon, and has his horse or horses, two horses to be used alternate days are often necessary, and drives on an average from 20 to 25 miles a day over a circuitous route so arranged that he does not traverse the same road twice on the same day. He leaves the distributing office immediately after the arrival of the principal mail of the day, returning in time to turn in his collections for dispatch by the evening trains. He prepares a list of the heads of families on the line of his delivery. Each of these is required to put up a box by the roadside, mounted on a post at such convenient height that the carrier can reach it to deposit his mail without alighting, as shown in the accompanying illustration. The carrier does not leave the main road nor enter dooryards to hand in his mails. The country for a mile or more on each side of his route is tributary to him. People living quite a distance back from the road, which the carrier traverses, find it much more convenient to come or send to meet him, knowing the time at which he passes daily, and thus to collect their mail, than to drive several miles to the village post office on the off chance that there might be some mail there for them. If taking advantage of the facilities which rural delivery affords, they subscribe for a daily newspaper and a weekly or monthly magazine, they know that there is something always awaiting them, and that each trip to the family letter box at the crossroads corner will result in something of interest. Scenes like the one depicted of a Maryland farmer crossing lots to meet the rural carrier and receive his mail are of frequent occurrence. The private boxes now in use by the patrons of rural free delivery are of various makes and patterns ranging in cost from 75 cents to 4 and 5 dollars each. In the absence of the asked-for authority from Congress to furnish a uniform rural letter box of approved design to be rented to patrons of rural delivery at a nominal yearly charge, which would be a great improvement over the present system 
and would cast over all the mails deposited in rural letter-boxes the unquestioned protection of the United States laws, the Department has not felt justified in requiring the adoption of any particular kind of box. It only insists that whatever receptacle is provided for the United States mails shall be decent and appropriate, and shall be of such a character as to be protected against the weather and against mischievous or malicious depredations. These letter boxes serve both for delivery and collection purposes. In some of the best models, one end of the box is devoted to collections, and for this compartment the rural postman alone has the key. The other end is for delivery purposes, and the patron has the only key to that compartment. Should anyone on the rural delivery route find himself without the necessary stamps to prepay the postage, all he has to do is to drop the money in his box with the letter, and the carrier is authorized to affix the requisite stamps. At designated points along the route, at crossroads, schoolhouses, much frequented country stores, or points near which village post offices, superseded by rural free delivery, have been discontinued, the United States mail collection boxes, such are as used in cities, are placed for the deposit of mails only and collections from these boxes are made by the carriers on their rounds, the letters being delivered for cancellation to the post office from which the rural delivery starts. Each rural postman carries with him for sale a supply of stamps, stamped envelopes, and postal cards. He is authorized to receipt for money orders and to receive and deliver registered letters, proper forms of receipt being provided. He is generally a traveling post office, and is under bond to the government for the faithful performance of his duties. The methods of installation of the service have been simplified and systematized as the service has increased. When experimental rural free delivery was started on October 1, 1896, the Post Office Department arbitrarily selected the localities where it should be applied, and in some instances imposed it upon communities which did not need it and did not desire it. It is now made a prerequisite that those who wish this service shall petition for it, presenting their petitions through their representatives in Congress and with their favorable endorsement. Each rural route, before it is ordered established, is carefully investigated by a special agent of rural free delivery. He drives over the ground, prepares a map of which he carefully notes the number of residences which can be served, which must never be less than 100 to each carrier, and distinctly outlines the route the carrier is to follow. A copy of this map is left with the postmaster, so that there shall be no excuse for applications after service has been ordered for trivial changes in the direction of the route to accommodate particular persons. In the selection of carriers, the agents are instructed to give favorable consideration to the recommendations of the congressional representatives of the states or districts in which the office is sought without regard to political affiliations. This being essentially a service for the people, it is thought proper to confide its local execution to men who have the confidence of those whom the people have chosen to represent them in Congress as far as this can be done with proper regard to efficient postal administration. The rate of compensation paid to rural carriers does not necessitate their taking a preliminary civil service exam. 
they are appointed to serve during good behavior. Their pay, originally fixed at $300 per annum, was raised last year to $400 and will be further increased to $500 when the new appropriation goes into effect the 1st of July next. In the early days of the experiment, rural carriers were authorized to perform a number of outside services for their patrons in order thereby to increase their small pay. With the increased responsibilities thrown upon the carriers by the adaptation of the registration system to the rural service and the consequent increase of direct pay allowed, the tendency is to curtail rather than enlarge these extraneous services and to bring carriers in the rural service as far as practicable under the regulations which prevail in city free deliveries. Some difficulty has been found in equalizing the rate of compensation according to the varying conditions which prevail in different states, because of the uncertain elements of horse hire and forage, which cost little in some parts of the country and are a source of heavy expense in others. This is one of many matters of detail which will adjust themselves as the service grows. Great changes and improvements have been made in the last two years in the outfit of the carriers and in the routes they traverse. In Alabama and Illinois, the service was started in 1896 on horseback because the roads were not passable for vehicles. In Virginia, the pioneer rural carrier had to take down fences and cross farms to make his daily trips over the route selected for him. There are no such irregularities now. Many of the rural carriers have provided themselves, or have had provided for them by popular subscription, specially built rural postal wagons, fitted with pigeonholes and other facilities for sorting their mails in transit. Numbers of them wear the regulation uniform of city carriers and are governed by similar regulations. In one district in Massachusetts, where the roads are exceptionally good the year round, the proposition was made by the people to introduce an automobile into the rural service. The rural carrier, however, in transmitting to the department a sketch of a specially devised machine adapted for rural purpose to cost $850, suggested with much plausibility a doubt as to whether he would be able to meet the expenditure out of his $500 a year pay. Nevertheless, an automobile is being tested on another of the Massachusetts routes and with considerable success. The service which has demonstrated begotten Cavill the possibility of extending rural free delivery over all well-settled farming communities in the United States is now in operation in Carroll County, Maryland. It was established as an object lesson. Those who favored the further extension of the rural free delivery system were met by the contention that the service, if made general, would be so expensive as to swamp the postal revenues, and that if only partly applied, it would give an unjust preference to some communities over others equally entitled to a share of the benefits of the delivery. Those who believed in the practicability of the service knew that the contention as to excessive cost was erroneous but they were unable to prove it, because wherever rural free delivery superseded the old service of village post offices led by star routes, 
the cost of the rural delivery was charged against the appropriation for that purpose administered by the first assistant postmaster general and the saving of expense through the discontinuance of other service went to the credit of other funds administered by the fourth and second assistant postmaster generals respectively it was felt that the only way to test the question was to take one entire county cover it with rural free delivery discontinuing all other service and then count the cost this has been done in carroll county maryland on the twentieth of december last in the middle of the winter when the roads were at their worst sixty-three minor post offices and thirty-five star routes and star route messenger services were discontinued at one swoop in carroll county by a special order of postmaster general smith and rural free delivery was substituted in their stead the second-class post office of westminster was made the distributing point for the whole county four two-horse postal wagons equipped as post offices started over routes which radiated north south east and west and were intercepted and fed at designated points by thirty-nine rural carriers some driving in buggies some few performing their shorter journeys on foot thus the whole country was covered and a free delivery was brought within easy reach of nearly every domicile the cost of the new service for three months was found to be four thousand five hundred and forty three dollars the cost of the service it superseded for a corresponding period was two thousand eight hundred and five dollars the increase of postal receipts directly resulting from the increased accommodation was one thousand five hundred and one dollars and seventy five cents thus leaving the net cost of the improved service for the quarter only two hundred and thirty six dollars or less than one thousand dollars a year for giving practically a house-to-house -house delivery instead of compelling every farmer to be his own postman and send for his mails the carroll county experiment served its purpose and served it well it may not be necessary it may not even be desirable to repeat that experiment on so expensive a scale elsewhere for everyday practical purposes the simpler method of establishing rural delivery by piecemeal selecting such routes as seemed to be best adapted for it and leaving each carrier to provide his own conveyance may be found better adapted to the wide dissemination and will require less cumbersome machinery to put it into effect than the plan of taking up a whole county at once the rural carrier at owasso michigan handled last year over a hundred and thirteen thousand pieces of mail in his delivery making due allowances for newspapers carried at pound rates and for official documents sent under the franking privilege and paying no postage a very reasonable estimate would be an average of one cent postage for each piece of mail handled this implies a revenue to the government of one thousand one hundred and thirteen dollars the cost of the service was just four hundred dollars the saving can be easily estimated there can be no question now as to the permanency of the rural free delivery service the only wonder is that its necessity and practicability were not sooner discovered it cost less per capita than free delivery did when first established in many of the smaller cities of the united states 
the compensating returns in increased postal receipts and diminished expenditures in other branches of the service are more direct and immediate than any results which followed the initiation of city-free delivery. Of course, the new service produces heartburnings and complaints from the postmasters of the little offices interfered with by the better delivery. Some of them persuade their neighbors to sign protests to endeavor to convince their representatives in Congress that the entire underpinning of his political future will drop away if a particular village store is deprived of its post office. But there have been very few instances where, after three months' trial of the new service, the people have asked for the restoration of the old system. Only three rural services have been permanently discontinued since the experiment was started four years ago. One of the discontinued routes was a service started in 1896 over a roadless territory in Kentucky where the people did not want it. Another simply accommodated visitors to a winter resort in Florida for four months and was useless the rest of the year. The third instance of discontinuance occurred in Virginia, where the fourth-class postmasters and the star route contractors raised sufficient clamor to override the wishes of the rest of the people, and this remains the only case of its kind. I think the future of rural free delivery is bright with promise, not only for the farmers whom it directly benefits, but for the country at large. Wherever it has gone, it has brought good roads. These, in fact, are made a prerequisite of the establishment of the service. It is causing a revolution almost as marked in its influence on the people as that of the establishment of the great trunk railroads across the continent. It is welding city and country together and will in time turn the tide of emigration, which now sets in from the country into the cities, back from the overcrowded purlieus of the cities into the free air and wholesome vocations of the country. Of course, like all great changes, it removes old landmarks and disarranges long-established habits. There were sentimentalists who complained that the Pacific Railroads had exterminated the buffalo and driven the blanket Indians from their happy hunting grounds. But where the buffalo once roamed, descendants of the finest-blooded cattle of Europe now graze in countless numbers. And where the buffalo grass once sprouted, waving fields of wheat now make Kansas, Minnesota, and the Dakotas the granary of the world. With well-built agricultural roads traversing every part of this great country, and the free delivery of the mails brought to nearly every farmer's home, I confidently believe that a social revolution will be affected the benefits of which will be felt for generations to come. Editor's Note In the heading is shown a crowd of farmers as they were departing with their boxes for rural route at Attica, Indiana, May 12, 1900. Of the twenty farmers shown, six drove twenty-four miles on one of the busiest days of the year to get a box that cost them two dollars and fifty cents, eight drove eighteen miles, and the remainder twelve and fourteen miles. This delivery of boxes was made two days before the route opened, and over one hundred farmers took out and paid for the high-priced boxes during the day. End of Rural Free Delivery of Mail by Perry S. Heath Read by Mary in Arkansas